0: chapter two of monte-cristo's daughter by edmund flagg this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two a strangely sent epistle zuleika monte-cristo's daughter had been for some months in the convent school conducted by the sisterhood of the sacred heart she was not a close student though a rapid learner and was rather inclined to romance and adventure than to musty books of history and science as has already been stated she had the early maturity of greek girls besides she had attracted the attention of several roman youths of high and noble lineage who had eagerly paid her the homage due to her beauty and oriental attractiveness though but fifteen she appreciated and felt flattered by this homage and naturally was impatient of the restraint put upon her by the regulations of the convent school which rigorously excluded all male visitors save parents or guardians in the first rank of her youthful admirers was the viscount giovanni massetti he was more ardent than any of the rest and indeed was desperately in love with the fair and bewitching child of the dead heyday he belonged to a family of great antiquity and boundless wealth and was reputed to possess a vast fortune in his own right the viscount was only in his twenty-first year but was exceedingly manly dashing and gallant he was quite handsome and was said to be the soul of honour though his ardent temperament and headlong pursuit of whatever he most coveted not unfrequently involved him in serious troubles from which thanks to his own tact and the vast influence of his family he generally came out unscathed on zuleika's arrival in rome and before she had been placed in the convent school the viscount massetti had made her acquaintance in a way that savoured of romance and that made a deep impression upon the inexperienced young girl in monte cristo's carriage attended only by a timid femme de chambre she was one day crossing one of the two bridges leading to the island of san bartolomeo when a trace broke and the horses took fright the terrified driver lost control of them and the mad animals dashed along at a fearful rate almost overturning the carriage zuleika had arisen in the vehicle which was an open barouche and was wildly clinging to the back of the front seat her face white with fear and her long black hair which had become loosened streaming out behind her her wide-open eyes had in them a look of tearful supplication most difficult to resist the young viscount who was riding over the bridge on horseback at the time of the accident could not resist it he sprang from his horse and as the carriage passed him leaped into it seizing zuleika by the waist and holding her tightly to him he then made another spring alighting safely with her upon the roadway of the bridge the flying horses were ultimately stopped and the occupants of the badly shattered vehicle rescued from their dangerous situation this adventure caused the count of monte cristo to throw open the doors of his palazzo to the young italian and he had been a frequent visitor there up to the time of zuleika's departure for the convent school in the interval both the viscount and the girl had become much attached to each other and then this mutual attachment had rapidly ripened into mutual love of that ardour and intensity experienced only by children of the southern or oriental sun young massetti had avowed his passion to his beautiful charmer and the avowal had not caused her displeasure it was on the contrary exceedingly agreeable to her and she did not seek to conceal the fact from her enthusiastic suitor the momentous interview took place in a densely shaded alley of the garden of the palazzo costi one sultry afternoon of the early autumn the youthful couple were seated very near each other upon a rustic bench Massetti held zuleika's small soft hand in his and the electric touch of her tiny and shapely fingers thrilled him as the touch of female fingers had never thrilled him before he gazed into the liquid depths of her dark glowing eyes and their subtle fires seemed to melt his very soul the close sultry atmosphere laden with heavy intoxicating perfumes was fraught with a delirious influence well calculated to set the blood aflame and promote the explosion of pent-up love the thick green foliage enclosed the pear as in a verdant cloud effectually concealing them from observation the opportunity was irresistible giovanni drew closer to his fascinating companion so closely that her fragrant breath came full in his face utterly subjecting him and totally obliterating all caution everything save his absorbing passion for the palpitating girl whose slight but clear-cut form gracefully outlined beneath her flowing half oriental garments touched his suddenly carried away by a powerful transport he threw his arm around the young girl's yielding waist and drew her without resistance upon his bosom where she lay gazing up into his flushed excited countenance with an indescribable voluptuous charm mingled with thorough confidence and unhesitating innocence panting in his clasp her ruby lips partly opened as if for breath and the ardent italian hastily recklessly imprinted a fiery kiss upon them zuleika with an almost imperceptible movement returned this chaste but ravishing salute oh how i love you murmured giovanni quivering from head to foot in his wild ecstasy in clasping the lovely girl still tighter she made no verbal response but did not stir did not strive to extricate herself from his warm embrace this was a sufficient answer for the quick italian zuleika the beautiful zuleika returned his love favoured his suit his joy approached delirium oh zuleika he whispered gazing directly into her night-black eyes you love me i am sure give me the treasures of your virgin heart be mine be my wife oh giovanni returned the quivering girl in a low but sweetly modulated voice i do love you god alone knows how much but i am too young to be your wife i am only a child not yet out of school my father would not hear of my marrying for several years to come can you not wait it will be a hard task zuleika answered the young man excitedly but still i will wait if you give me a lover's hope promise to marry me when you are at liberty to do so nay swear it and i shall be satisfied i can neither promise nor swear at giovanni without my father's approval and consent he is a wise experienced and thoughtful man tender and mild to every one he loves though hard and implacable to his enemies speak to him of me of your love of your wish he will listen to you and he will not imperil his daughter's happiness go to him without delay and rest assured that whatever he says or does will be for the best interests of us both she had released herself from his clasp and drawn slightly away from him not in terror not in prudery not in coquetry but as a measure of prudence she felt intuitively that the wild intense passion of her italian adora must be kept within discreet limits i cannot speak to your father yet replied giovanni hesitatingly he might listen to me it is true but he would treat our love as a mere childish fancy that time could not fail to dim if not obliterate i am deeply in earnest zuleika and could not bear to be treated as a thoughtless headlong stripling who did not know his own mind ridicule even in its mildest form would fire my blood fill me with mad projects of revenge i prefer not to ask your father for your hand until certain of a favourable reception of my suit you comprehend my scruples do you not zuleika i love you too dearly not to win you when i ask but you will speak to my father said the girl in faltering tones yes darling oh yes but not until that hated convent school has ceased to oppose its barriers between us when you have left it when you have completed the education the count designs for you I will seek your father and ask you of him for my wife until then until i can with safety speak at least promise me that you will love no other man encourage no other suitor that i will do responded the girl joyously rest assured i will love no other man encourage no other suitor unable to control himself the viscount again clasped the object of his adoration in his arms and again their lips met in a long passionate kiss of love so it was settled and zuleika went to the convent school of the sacred heart feeling that her happiness was assured but impatient of and dissatisfied with the long delay that must necessarily intervene before the realization of her hopes the dawn of her woman's future the viscount massetti though he had professed himself willing to wait was on his side thoroughly discontented with the arduous task he had undertaken it was one thing to make a rash promise in the heat of enthusiasm but quite another to keep it especially when that promise involved a separation from the lovely girl who had inextricably entwined herself about the fibres of his heart and was the sole guiding star of his life and love the convent school of the sacred heart was located in the convent of that sisterhood about three miles beyond the porta del popolo on the northern side of rome the convent was a spacious edifice but gloomy and forbidding with the aspect of a prison narrow barred windows like those of a dungeon of the middle ages admitted the light from without furnishing a dim restricted illumination that gave but little evidence of the power and brilliancy of the orb of day at night the faint sepulchral blaze of candles only served to make the darkness palpable and more ghastly the huge schoolroom was as primitive and comfortless in its appointments and furniture as well could be the walls were of dressed stone and loomed up bare and grisly to a lofty ceiling that was covered with a perfect labyrinth of curiously carved beams the work of some unknown artist of long ago the scholars dormitories were narrow cell-like affairs scantily furnished in which every light must be extinguished at the hour of nine in the evening once admitted to the school the pupils were not permitted to leave its precincts save at vacation or at the termination of their course of studies a circumstance that heartily disgusted the gay light-hearted italian girls sent there to receive both mental and moral training another source of grave vexation to them was the regulation already alluded to that rigorously excluded all male visitors with the exception of parents or guardians attached to the convent was an extensive garden full of huge trees that had apparently stood there for centuries so bent gnarled and aged were they an ancient gardener with a flowing beard as white as snow and scanty locks of the same spotless hue aided by two or three assistants almost as ancient as himself attended to the lawns and vast flower-beds the latter being kept constantly filled with plants of gorgeous bloom and exquisite fragrance the picturesque appearance of the garden contrasted strongly and strangely with the rigid and staid aspect of the convent edifice and this garden was the one spot where the pupils felt at home and thoroughly enjoyed themselves they were allowed to walk there at noon and towards twilight in the evening under the supervision of sister agatha a sharp sighted and vigilant nun who never failed to rebuke and correct her vivacious charges for even the slightest infraction of discipline still the girls enjoyed themselves in the garden for its extent and the fact that sister agatha could not be everywhere at once enabled the frisky and light-hearted pupils to indulge in many an escapade one noon zuleika who was in an unusually despondent frame of mind strayed from the rest of her companions and strolled beneath the centenarian trees unconsciously she approached the lofty wall of the garden she seated herself at the foot of a gnarled old elm the leafy branches of which descended to the ground and effectually screened monte-cristo's daughter from view at least so she thought but though she could not be seen by any within the garden enclosure she was plainly visible from the wall and the trees looming above it without azuleika sat pondering on her lot and sadly thinking of her separation from her lover she heard or imagined she heard a singular noise amid the thick boughs of an immense chestnut tree immediately outside the garden wall she started up in a fright but could discern nothing unusual and the singular noise was not repeated the strangest part of the whole affair however was that the noise had sounded like her own name uttered by a human voice this increased her terror and confusion and she was about to flee from the spot when an oblong pebble to which something white was attached fluttered over the wall and fell at her feet she was now more alarmed than ever and took several steps backward the while regarding the white object that lay where it had fallen motionless and fascinating finally her curiosity obtained the mastery and approaching the suspicious object with the utmost caution she bent over to examine it it was an ordinary envelope and no doubt contained a letter for whom was it intended obviously for one of the pupils it was a clandestine epistle too otherwise it would have come by the regular channel through the post-office perhaps it was a love-letter at this thought she gave a guilty start and gazed piercingly into the chestnut-tree but nothing was visible there save boughs and leaves after all the epistle was doubtless destined for some swarthy visaged italian beauty and many such were in the convent school that it had fallen at her feet was certainly but a mere coincidence it was not it could not be intended for her its rightful owner who had clearly received many similar notes in the same way knew where it was and presently would come for it the envelope had fallen face downward and she could not see the address she touched it with her foot then cautiously turned it with the tip of her shoe she saw writing it was the address somehow the arrangement of the characters seemed familiar to her though she was so dazed and confused she could not make out the name her curiosity was unworthy of her, she knew unworthy of monte-cristo's daughter what right had she to pry into the heart secret of one of her school companions still she gazed she could not help it suddenly she stooped and took the envelope from the ground the address riveted her eyes like a magician's spell great heavens it was her own name zuleika hurriedly snapping the slight string that bound the envelope to the stone, she thrust the former into the bosom of her dress. Then she glanced around her, half fearing she had been seen by some of the pupils or the watchful sister Agatha. But no, she was unobserved, and even now her companions and the nun were at such a distance that she could read her letter without the slightest danger of being discovered or interrupted. The temptation was strong. She yielded to it. She would read the letter. She felt convinced that it was from, the Viscount Massetti, and the conviction filled her with unutterable joy. She had not heard a word concerning him, since she had been immured within the sombre walls of that dismal convent, and now she had tidings of him. In his own handwriting it was rapture. What had he written to her? An assurance of his love, no doubt, and perhaps an exhortation to her, to keep her part of their agreement to love no other man, to encourage no other suitor. Surely she loved no one else. She never could love any one but Giovanni Massetti, for, did he not possess her whole heart all the wealth of her ardent youthful affection she kissed the envelope then opened it took out the letter which was written in pencil and read dearest zuleika i can keep from you no longer i must see you once more and again call you my own i strove to attract your attention just now in the chestnut-tree outside the wall i uttered your beloved name but you did not seem to understand me this evening at twilight i will scale the wall at that time be at the elm where you now stand and i will meet you there do not fail me and above all do not be afraid i assure you that no harm can possibly befall either of us meet me darling your own giovanni Zuleika stood staring at this passionate note, with sensations made up of amazement, rapture, and dismay. Giovanni, her lover, was coming. He would stand there, on that very spot, and she would see him, in all the glory of his youthful manhood, with the radiant love-light in his eyes. But how, if he were discovered, what then would become of him and of her? She shuddered at the possibilities of danger. But on one point she was resolved, she would meet him, let the danger be what it might. How Giovanni would manage to avoid observation, she did not know, but she would trust to his judgment and discretion she glanced in the direction of the pupils and sister agatha they were coming slowly towards her again secreting her lover's epistle in her bosom she went to meet them chapter two